This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. We're going to start out our teaching time today with a verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And we've all heard this verse before, but it's, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, to conform means to change in composition or structure. And so what we need to think about here is imagine that you have a big wad of Play-Doh and then you take some of those little molds, you know, where you have little animals and shapes and things and you take the Play-Doh and you shove it into those molds and you make the Play-Doh fit the shape in which you're shoving the Play-Doh. And that's what the world does. It tries to shove us into a particular mold and make us fit its expectations or its shape. But then Paul continues, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So transformed. Let's look at that transformation thing and imagine you have a big chunk of rock. And what you do is you, what you, is you chip away at the rock and you chip away and you chip away and you chip away until you have a sculpture, this beautiful statue. Now, did that chunk of rock undergo a transformation? And so in this part here, the transformation, if we can imagine this, is God taking us and chipping away at the unneeded pieces and the chunks and the dirt and the waste material until he makes us into something beautiful like, say, was it Michelangelo and the statue of David or one of those, where he took the rock and he made it into something beautiful. And that's what transformed means. And that's what the Lord is doing to us or trying to do to us. Now, the rest of that verse is by the renewing of your mind. Now, renewing our minds, what that requires and what that involves is having our mindset and our attitudes reset by the Lord. And so we got to look at this from the point of view of saying, well, after that transformation takes place, what is going to happen? Well, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 
The mind of Christ, woo, you know, that's pretty heady stuff there, thinking about having the mind of Jesus. But you see, the mind of Jesus is, you know, pretty clear. And he never had any issues or problems or questions about who he was or what he was doing. But there are some features of the mind of Christ that we can look at here. And one of those is, and there are like six of them, there are more than that, but we can look at these six. To be alive. Was Jesus' mind alive? Yes. Is Jesus' mind still alive? Yes. And we can be thankful for that. Now, the second feature would be peaceful. Now, we all have issues with that, don't we? Where we have issues with peace or lack thereof in our minds. You know, and we get all shaky and nervous about stuff that's not going our way or the way we don't, if things happen the way we don't like them. But peaceful means the joy and peace of Christ are replacing fleshly joys and mental conflicts. And we accept the circumstances of our lives as being a tool that God wants to use to mold us. You see, I... It's something about the commentaries that I looked up and everything. They all are uniformly consistent in saying that in many cases, God uses the difficulties in our lives to shape us more clearly than he would if, he didn't, if we didn't have that difficulty. Because it's going through those difficulties where we learn to trust God. Amen? Amen? And we don't like them, but the Lord didn't ask if we like it or not. We just have submitted to the Lord's authority as the Lord of our lives, and we trust Him to work out His will in us, whether we have to go through a difficult time or not. We just have to trust Him for that. Now, the next feature is single-minded. That doesn't mean having a one-track mind or tunnel vision. What this means is that we always consult the Lord with our major decisions in our lives. We ask God what He wants us to do. We ask God what He wants for us to, you know, projects to undertake or what, whatever. But we ask God about it. If we have this big decision coming up, and we're going to have to lay out a lot of money for it or something. We say, God, this is going to cost a lot of money. Do you really want me to do this? Should I do this or should I just bypass it and move on? Then we learn new things about the Lord regularly that strengthen and confirm the earlier basic concepts in our lives. Now, the next part is lowly. Now, this doesn't mean, oh, gosh, I'm just so low, I'm so worthless, I'm so down, you know, and, uh, you know, you'd have to jack me up to bury me because I'm that low down there. You know, and so it means humble. And we grow more humble before God and before others. And we grow less ambitious for our self-centered goals and we put on a higher criterion of what our lives are about. 
which means we focus on the kingdom, building God's kingdom and seeing everything we're going through as evidence that we're kingdom oriented. And then we have the best focus of all. The next feature is pure. I interpret my circumstances in the realization that God is always with me. We had a saying when I was going to Oral Roberts University among all the guys and, you know, and the women on our sister wing. And we had, get your mind out of the sewer and get it up into the gutter where it belongs. Now, that's not exactly an admirable stat, state, but what we mean here is that we interpret our circumstances in the realization that God is with us and that we know that God works every day and I, we recognize the hand of God on our lives. We have a pure, clean heart and we're developing a stronger desire, and this is key, we're developing a stronger desire not to sin. We start to hate sin. We start to hate, in particular, we hate our sins. And we say, God, I want to be free from this. Set me free so my mind can be pure. And then responsive. We respond to God's will. We grow in our thirst for God. We grow in our faith in God, and we respond immediately when God speaks to us. When we hear instructions from the Lord, as we've read about them in the scriptures, we respond and obey immediately. And there's a story that Henry Blackaby told in one of his books where he talked about this family that was going through some hard times and what happened was their house got flattened by a tornado and they said Henry or Pastor Blackaby we've saved for years for this house we bought the house we thought it was the house of our dreams but we also have been wrestling with a calling to the mission field how do, what do we do here? And Henry's response is, obey God immediately. In other words, settle the accounts, get clear of the burden and the obligations for the home loan, get free of that, and go do what God called you to do, which is go to the mission field. So that's what that means. Now, what are some specific features of someone who has and who abides in and lives with the mind of Christ. And we find those in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And I know we've all heard this passage dozens of times, but it goes like this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, 
even the death on the cross. Now, this passage was a hymn that was sung in the early church. And we're thinking, but that's about Jesus. I mean, how does this apply to us? Well, what we do is we look at this and we see those verses and we adjust them to where we appropriate them in our own lives. Now, verse 5 is, it says, Let this mind be in, in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What that means is we're to be like him. We focus on being like Christ. And we don't focus on our own things or our own lives. In verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 6, how we apply that is we don't focus on our own status. Don't worry about what people think about you. Don't worry about your standing before other people. Don't worry about how you measure up compared to these the super students or the super employees or whatever. Don't be focusing on your own status. Now, verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. What does that mean? It means we deny ourselves and we focus on other people. We think of other people first. The last question that should appear in our minds when any situation or question comes up is if we are putting other people ahead of ourselves, the last question that should come into our minds is, what about me? Now, we need to focus on what Jesus wants and what that other person needs instead of, well, what about me? And the question that God would respond if you were listening to him at that moment, you say, well, what about me? And God would say, well, what about you? Go do what I told you to. Now, we look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, we're not looking to be crucified. That's not our objective here. But what this means in verse 8 and how that applies to us is we seek to obey God no matter the cost. No matter what's involved, we seek to be obedient to God. And we resolve to give our all to the cause of Christ and to the kingdom. And Verse 9, we're going to look at that one anyway. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And so how that applies to us is we trust God with the results. Peter wrote saying, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you at the proper time. Jesus covered that by his parable of going to the a banquet and not wanting to pick the first seat closest to the person who's given the dinner, lest you get bumped down to the end, and then you end up being embarrassed. So what you do is you go take that last seat, be content with it, and let God, because of your obedience, 
because of your willingness to serve Him, because of your desire to have Christ-likeness, to have the mind of Christ, you let Him exalt you when the time is right. And don't worry about, again, what everyone else is thinking. You just follow Christ and do what He says do. And as that story a few minutes ago was, obey Him immediately as soon as you get the Word. And that is how we can start our journey on having the mind of Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at christthekingnorthshore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.